Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. In just a few moments, we've got a Point of View exclusive tonight about North Dakota possibly becoming the next state to legalize recreational marijuana. We start tonight, though, with a Cat 5 crisis at our southern border. And stay with me tonight because I want you to wait and see this video I'm going to show you where you've got some very young kids being brought across our southern border by smugglers, not even their parents. This is being done by smugglers, so we're going to focus on that. Also, do you feel President Trump should just completely shut this thing down? Should he just totally shut down the southern border or not? As we all know, President Trump obviously been threatened the complete shutdown of the border. And here's why. Right now, our Border Patrol, ICE agents, our cities, municipalities, completely overwhelmed. Listen to this stat. Since mid-December right now, we've detained roughly 125,000 125,000 illegal immigrants at our southern border. We're now detaining roughly 4,000 illegals per day. That is a stunning number. Jay Johnson, Obama's former DHS, said, hey, if I was doing over 1,000 a day, it was a bad day. We're now doing four. I'm going to put these numbers into some simple perspective for you when I say 125,000 just in the last few months. So in 2017, according to the census, the city of Fargo is roughly 122,000 people. <laughs> so when you put it in that perspective, imagine this. Every two to three months, an entire city of Fargo is being planted in one of our southern border states. Obviously, that's going to overwhelm any city, any municipality, law enforcement, all the kind of things that are going on out there. But here's the thing you got to take a look at. And I know I don't want to get too political tonight, but what are the political reasons behind this? And take a moment and imagine this. Think about if the Democrats, which we all know they want to open borders because they believe, they believe, hey, we can just flood this place with illegal immigrants. Those illegal immigrants, they think are going to eventually vote for other Democrats. So think about this from a presidential perspective. If Texas and Arizona, which some are suggesting it might, if Texas and Arizona go blue, it's going to be really hard. I mean, really hard for a Republican to ever win the presidency ever again in this country. That is part of their strategy. So again, I ask you the question, want to know your point of view. Do you feel President Trump should, should completely shut down the southern border or not? Senator Kevin Kramer was asked about that earlier today. Here's some of what he had to say. One thing we know about Donald Trump is he needs to be taken seriously. He doesn't issue idle threats. That said, I, I don't know how you go about doing it, nor do I support it, by the way. I think that I think that the economic chaos would, would not be worth it. I don't think it would help much. Um, it, you know, I think the threat of it probably has Mexico's attention, which I'm sure is what the president's intention is and was. Um, I would prefer that we take more measured means if we need to get Mexico's attention. I just think that shutting down legal commerce and legal immigration doesn't really help the illegal immigration situation. So as we all know, last Friday, President Trump said, look, I'm not playing around. I'm serious. Now he's starting to walk that back. Even Mitch McConnell is saying, hey, look, I don't want to see this happen because completely shutting down the border. I mean, it would it would decimate our economy in just a matter of days. Stock market would tank, our farmers would trade, the auto industry. Some experts are suggesting that if we completely, and I mean completely shut down the border, it could potentially cost our economy $700 million, $700 million per day. So if we completely shut this thing down, it could have a very, very bad impact 
on the economy. That's why I think you see President Trump now go, well, maybe, maybe we're not, but I still need to dangle that out there to make Mexico do more to obviously apprehend these people that are coming up from the Northern Triangle. But, here, but here's what has to happen, okay? We're probably not gonna completely shut down the border. Trump's playing out of the deal, but we have to. We must change our absolutely ridiculously insane, weak immigration and asylum laws. Because I wanna share with you a video in just a moment to show you how our current system, folks, our current laws that we have, it's like a vacuum. I mean, it is like a vacuum to the people in Central America because they know in fact, we have American lawyers that are going down that are teaching this, but they know that if they make that horrible trek up to our border and they simply just touch our soil, they just touch our house and they claim asylum. When I was down at the border, the Border Patrol told me, hey, look, we find these people. They literally walk into my arms because they've been so well coached on how to claim asylum that we have to take them. We put them into these detention centers. But what's happening right now, these detention centers are so overwhelmed. Remember, President Trump campaigned on talked about how we're going to get rid of catch and release. Catch and release is what he would say. He said, that's the dumbest laws ever. But the problem is right now, because of our laws in this vacuum, catch and release is like on overdrive. We're dumping more people into more interior of this country than we maybe ever have before. And so in that context, the reason I share with you that we've got to step up, we've got to get our so-called elected leaders to do something, is I want to share a video with you that came, took place uh, near... Yuma, it's our southern border, really close to where I was back uh, just last month when I was down there with Tommy Fisher. This video, folks, heartbreaking. I mean, I watched it several times a day, and you just, your heart breaks. I want you to listen to these young girls. They're screaming, they're crying, and keep in mind, the people that are doing this right now that you're going to see, these are smugglers. These are coyotes. They don't, these are not even these young girls' parents. Roll the tape. If you're a parent, you, you can relate to that cry. I mean, it, it is heartbreaking to hear that. And again, that's why you see that woman you saw at the end there. She just sort of walked away from the fence. It's not her kid. She's a smuggler. She's smuggling these young people across. There's another story of a man. He made the trek with his wife, his daughter, and his son. He lost his wife and daughter. Has no idea where they are right now, somewhere in Mexico, because they were attacked by gangs with machetes in Mexico. This is a problem, and it's a problem because we've got these ridiculous, weak immigration laws that act like a vacuum to bring these people up because they know as soon as they hit the soil, they claim asylum, and they can stay. There must be a change of these laws, but the, the bottom line, in my opinion, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but the Democrats, they talk about it all the time, President Barack Obama, we want to fundamentally transform the United States of America. That's what happens when you overwhelm our southern borders. I want to share with you what is some, someone from, uh, I think it's the National, if we can bring this graphic up, please, we'll give you the specifics. But President Trump tweeted this out, and this will, this tells me at least that the Democrats want this to take place. They're not even willing to sit at the table and not allow the kind of laws that are taking place for this kind of crime you just heard a moment ago. It says, I haven't seen any Democrats down here at the border working with us or asking to speak to any of us 
They've got an open invitation. We're getting overrun. Our facilities are over capacity. We are at an emergency crisis. Art Del Cueto from the National Border Patrol Council. And some of you may see that and go, oh, well, that's Trump's Border Patrol. Okay, well, here's Jay Johnson from Obama as the deputy, uh, excuse me, as the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. I know that 1,000 overwhelms the system. I cannot begin to imagine what 4,000 a day looks like. So we are truly in a crisis. Again, not me saying that, not President Trump, not Border Patrol. That is Jay Johnson, former Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security for President Barack Obama. That's how serious of a situation this is. And according to that person from Border Patrol, the Democrats aren't even showing up to stand up for you and I, the everyday American. One more tweet from President Trump that I want to bring in our special guest. President Trump tweeted this out earlier today, said Congress must get together and immediately eliminate the loopholes at the border. If no action, border or large sections of border will close. This is a national emergency. Would love to know your point of view. Should President Trump just say, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm going to completely shut down the border, but the impact that would have on the economy could be devastating. Or are you going to say, hey, you know what, I got to start calling some Democrat legislators and get together and come up with some kind of piece of legislation to stop these ridiculously weak immigration asylum laws so that we can make an impact. I mean, we've heard Secretary Nielsen say, look, when these young kids, these unaccompanied minors come up from Central America, according to our laws, we can't even send them back to their own native country, even though their native country wants them back in their native country. To me, that just does not make any sense. Obviously, we'd love to know your point of view. All right, in 2018, we had an opportunity to legalize recreational marijuana here in the great state of North Dakota and went down in flames, 59 to 41. So somebody says, you know what? Maybe we're gonna try this again in 2020. More states are doing it. Maybe they make some tweaks and they can get recreational marijuana legalized here in the great state of North Dakota. Tonight, I have a point of view exclusive with David Owen. He's the former chairman, maybe he's the current chairman of Legalize ND. Welcome to the show. We appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me, Chris. It's great to be here. So let's start with the past. I think sometimes you look at the past, you can learn things from the future. And I know you've got a big meeting tomorrow night we'll talk about in a moment. But most important, biggest thing you learned from the 2018 campaign that you're going to apply to 2020 that you think will make a difference? You have to get the stakeholders involved earlier in the process. So in 2018, the common people did not feel that they were participating. They felt it was a bill written by activists. They felt that there were too many openings, too many potential loopholes. And as a result, they were unconfident and they said, you know what, we don't trust the legislature to fix this. We've seen what happened with medical marijuana. So we're just going to vote it down and we're going to wait until there's a more clear, concrete bill that we were allowed to take part in that we can move forward with. And that's what I read from that election. Why are you so passionate about getting this passed? Because at the end of the day, Chris, we keep incarcerating my generation over nonviolent drug offenses. And what does a record do to your life? It means you can't get a job. It means that you can't ever advance. In many cases, you no longer qualify for federal student loans. So now they can't go to school, they can't get a job, and they're a permanent underclass that ultimately the taxpayer has to pay for. Yeah, but many people would just say, oh, I got an easy solution, don't do drugs. Well, I, I would agree you shouldn't be doing drugs if it's illegal, but that's not the reality. When we have laws, the crime and the punishment has to match what happens. We don't throw someone in jail for a speeding ticket. 
For a DUI, however, we send them to jail for 30 days. Why is the difference between speeding and a DUI? Because a DUI is disproportionately more likely to harm somebody. So in my perspective, if they're not doing damage to society, if they're not harming anyone, including themselves in my belief, they should not be having these onerous criminal records, which create a permanent underclass that ultimately, you know who pays for it, Chris? We you do. do. But you say you're not hurting anybody. I mean, I've got, I know a family specifically that said, hey, I had a son, uh, started with alcohol. Pretty much every law enforcement officer you talk to says, hey, marijuana is the gateway drug to the harder stuff. This person for this particular family they ended up going to marijuana, then they got addicted to the harder stuff, he ended up committing suicide. Well, what the, say you? The first thing you said is started with alcohol. And I think that's really telling, isn't it? Because the real gateway drug from what the studies and the peer-reviewed research show is that it's alcohol not marijuana that ultimately leads to the high-risk factors and high-risk behaviors that kill children and lead to suicides. Because if you look at alcohol, what, what do we always talk about? We talk about DUIs and drunk driving. We've known since the 50s that this kills a ridiculous number of people. We know that when you drink alcohol, you make poor decisions, you're aggressive. People who commit domestic abuse, a lot of them are alcoholics. Whereas if you try and look at marijuana statistics, you don't see these risk factors. You don't see elevated That's aggression. That's fair, but you also don't see people often going from alcohol to heroin, where I think there's a much, but there's probably much more of a connection from marijuana to eventually cocaine, heroin, some of the harder stuff. So if you're on marijuana, it's usually a depressant and a, um, a psychoactive agent designed to numb pain. You wouldn't go from marijuana to cocaine, a hardcore stimulant. Cocaine is a party drug. Okay, so let's talk about heroin, because that's what people are ODing well, on. Well, usually what happens is people go from alcohol, they start using party drugs like cocaine. The trackway to heroin is a different... Don't deflect, I understand what you're trying to... The pathway to heroin is different. It starts with prescription opioids and narcotics. And the doctors take them off the opioids and the narcotics too early, and they still have pain, so they seek a black market solution. The pathway to heroin is through opioids. The pathway to cocaine is through alcohol. I was trying to describe both those pathways. Neither Got one evokes it. marijuana. All right, so let's talk about this. I talked to someone the other day who's from... They moved from Colorado... Two things jumped out to me. They, they even came up to me. They didn't know you were coming on. They're like, hey, what's your take on legalizing weed here in North Dakota? He says, I'm from Colorado. Two things. One, increased crime, definitely a problem. So I, I would disagree with that. Um, if you look at the crime increase. Based on what? Based on the crime statistics that Colorado itself reports. Now, there's two ways to measure crime, and this is where the confusion goes. There's absolute and per capita. And I'll explain that in a simple example. Let's pretend you and I are from Ardock, North Dakota. It's a town of 60 people and there's one assault every year. That would mean there's one assault per 68 people. Then let's pretend you and I are both going to Manville, okay? Manville has about 330 people in it, and there are two assaults in Manville, let's say, a year. Now, does Manville have more assaults? Yes, it does, but its rate of assault relative to the population is considerably lower. When Colorado legalized marijuana, you saw a large population increase in the state. And as a result, your absolute crime numbers did increase, but your per capita crime went down. It would be absurd to say that RDOC is safer than Manville, just like it's absurd to say that Colorado is more dangerous now than it was pre-legalization. All right, second thing he said, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, he goes, hey, the city just stinks. They've got all the, you know, pot nurseries in the city, and it just reeks the entire city. So let's talk about what you're going to be doing tomorrow night. You're going to have an event at 7 p.m. at NDSU. One of the things I'm assuming you're going to be taking feedback on is, Hey, I lived in Colorado, the city stunk, let's not make sure we're doing these things in the city. What's going to happen tomorrow so, night? So, at the feedback forum tomorrow night, we're going to invite as many people who want to come. It's at uh, 7 p.m. at the NDSU Memorial Union Great Room. And we're going to have 34 different things that we want to get the public feedback on. And one example that really plays into what you were just talking about is the issue of local control. 
In the previous measure, we didn't have an opt-in or an opt-out mechanism. So if there's a large level of concern, we're going to be asking people, should local jurisdictions be allowed to opt out? And based on popular feedback, if the people want to allow an opt-out clause, we can do that. So that way, if certain towns or certain cities don't want it, that's a possibility. We're also going to be talking about definitions of marijuana, who can get a marijuana license, what the tax rate should be, and where ultimately the money should go. That's my next question, last question for you. So what do you think the tax rate should be and where should that money go? So my personal opinion is that the tax rate should not be more than double sales tax. I, I don't believe in excise taxes personally, but if we're going to have an excise or a sin tax, it should not be so onerous that it's double the sales tax. So if your sales tax is 7% in Fargo, I don't know exactly what it is, I don't live in Fargo, then the marijuana tax should not be higher than 14% as a result. That's my personal belief, but it's not really about what I want. That's the purpose of this forum. It's to get everybody else and hear what they want. If the people of North Dakota want the sales tax to be 20, fine, we can do 20. But we've got to figure out where people want it. As for the funding, we have huge budget shortfalls at the universities. If you look at the University of North Dakota, which is very dear to my heart, the uh, steam plant is completely malfunctioning and it's operating at less than 50% capacity. Many of the buildings have failing grades on their maintenance. I think it should be going to higher education and to a little bit to law enforcement so that they can learn the latest and greatest techniques. Great stuff. We appreciate the time, the insight, and again, 7 p.m. tomorrow night at NDSU, correct? Yes. Open forum, anybody can go Open ask questions. Open forum, anybody can go until we're full. I don't know how many of the room seats. I think it seats like 100 and, 100 and some change. But if we get too many people, the fire marshal will make us say. <laughs> All right. So in other words, get there early. Thank yes. you, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you it. for having me.